Welcome to the church family that is lifting lives through living love, inspiring hope, filling with faith, and transforming our world. These recorded messages are made available so that you might have additional opportunities to stay connected with us, and then you might learn and grow in your faith. God bless you as you hear the word today. And now, the message. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord. Your God is with all your heart and with all your soul, and give it with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So uh, Tracy uh, and I are going to share today's message. And uh, whenever I think about school blessing, I always spend a little time trying to think about, you know, why do we do this service? What's, what's the reason for us to take this time to honor schools? And part of it, I think, is we want to honor the partnership that exists between schools and homes, that, that, that parents and teachers kind of share the sacred responsibility to help shape the minds of our kids. And, and then we kind of, in, in this moment, I want to acknowledge the partnership <clears throat> that we share as a church, that, that we partner with parents at homes to shape the hearts of our kids. You know, that tender part of faith and belief and character, that's kind that's of right. our mission is to partner with the home in raising kids who love God and love others. And so uh, Tracy and I are going to talk about what that partnership looks like and how we can do it together. I just was going to share with you kind of as a setting for this, uh, an analogy from Kurt Bruner, who, who kind of uses this analogy of a flower. Like imagine a child as a flower. And if you wanted to nourish this flower and you took a watering can and poured water upon the flower, if, it, if, if this is what the flower looked like, would that water that you poured on it make any difference at all? No. The water would just run down the, the petals, the stem, the leaves, and down the roots and out. In order for that water to actually nourish the flower, the flower has to be planted in soil. And so Kurt Brunner kind of makes this analogy. He says, the thing is, is, is kids aren't planted at the church. The church isn't the soil. Kids are planted in homes. That's the soil that God gives for every child. That's the place where they draw the nutrients that form their character and their faith and their, and their hearts and their souls. But our role as a church then is to try to nourish and enrich the soil in which children are planted. So that's what we're going to be talking about, how churches and, and homes, how we're trying to enrich the soil, how we're trying to work in partnership. Yeah, and so I read this book over the summer by Natalie Frisk, and it's called Raising Disciples, How to Make Faith Matter to Our Kids. And it's a great book. It's about creating space for God. And this book helps parents navigate discipling their kids. We intentionally or unintentionally are always discipling our kids every day. We... Um, know this, but this book brings awareness about how we, as adults, are living out our love for Jesus. It's packed full of questions and ideas and how we can experience God in many different ways. And isn't it great that we have many different ways in which our kids can experience God and know that they are part of God's story? So Tracy read this book 
gosh, was it started reading it in June even? Yeah. Or maybe even mm-hmm. May. She started sending me quotes and ideas from this book. And, and so we, this kind of became our framework for what this message was going to be like. And we kind of boiled it all down. And, and I said, you know, there's so much that we could discuss. And, and Tracy said, well, let's just focus on the idea of making space for faith to grow. That that's what the church is doing, that's what families are doing, is we're making space for faith to grow. And there's lots of different ways to do that, but we decided let's narrow in on four ways that we make space Mm -hmm. for faith to grow. That we make space for faith to grow in conversation, in play, in self-care, and in community. And I'm going to let Tracy take the first one, which is making faith, space for faith to grow through conversation. (laughs) First of all, I can't believe you gave me a mic. Um, second of all, you're letting me talk about conversation. But you are an expert at conversation. <laughs> I watch you with kids. You are so good at conversation with them. So tell us your secrets. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I love the words that Holton spoke um, because Moses is telling the Israelites at this time, he's like, talk about the commandments when you're at home, when you're on the road when you go to bed and when you get up. He's basically saying, anytime, anywhere. And um, how do we do that? How do we have conversations about Jesus with our kids? How do we show and tell our kids what an active faith looks like? Well, guys, start from where you are. I don't think you guys need to know anymore. You are enough and know enough right now. So start from where you are. Um, as we learn more about our faith, we're letting our kids know that we're still learning. So, hmm, we're still learning. When you're at home and when you wake up and when you go to bed, I mean, this all sounds like easier said than done. But I want to make sure you guys know that when I say this anytime, anywhere, that I'm not asking you to add anything else to your schedules. I know your schedules are already busy. I'm saying with the time that you have and that you use right now with your kids, take that time to have these conversations. Um, Natalie Frist said, one of the things that you need to be ready for is the questions that kids may have or the things that they may want to talk about. Now, I'm not saying you guys need to know the answer. No, but you guys need just to be ready. Because when you are in the conversation, you're going to be curious. Well, what do you think? So you're going to be present in the conversation. And by the way, when you say, what do you think? It buys you a little time, doesn't it? But it also gives you a glimpse of what they're thinking. Be honest. I'm not completely sure, but here's what I think. Well, I've wondered the same thing. Um, Maybe someone else has done the research. Maybe we can check with them. How about we go ask Pastor Dave? Or Miss Tracy. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can say, I don't know because I don't know are some of the biggest words and important words that you can say to your child. Be helpful. If you don't know, or if you're not sure, help your child find someone or find a reliable resource that can help them. This will help them learn the skills, first of all, about asking for help, right? And then it also gives them the skills of discernment and when it is a reliable resource. Be prayerful, either with your child or 
after your conversations, pray that the Holy Spirit would help lead and guide your child into great discoveries. And pray that you will guide them in the right direction and that God will take them the rest of the way. And ask your child, would you like to pray about that? What do you think? What would be the loving thing to do here? How does this point us to Jesus? I don't know, but here's what I do know. I know Jesus loves you, and I know I love you. And one of the things that's really important to help our children is to learn how to lament when they're sad. Natalie Frisk states, our kids need to know as they walk in the way of Jesus that they can turn to God when things are difficult and they can ask why. It's okay to wrestle with God. And as we have these conversations with our kids, we are rooting them in Christ. They are developing a wellsprings of stories and community that lead to a better understanding of who God is that they can take into adulthood. So, you know, when we talk about conversations, and I think conversations are so important that, that faith is a dialogue, you know, that kids have their own thoughts and ideas, and, and we have to be open and, and have a dialogue with them. But, but I think the hardest part with conversations is getting into them, right? Like, the simple question, how do I start right. the conversation? Because often when you don't know how to start it, it comes across forced, which forced conversations never seem to go well. Nope. <laughs> awkward, where the, you're uncomfortable and they're uncomfortable, right? So, so how do you get into a conversation so it doesn't feel forced, awkward, uncomfortable? Well, that's the next thing I want to talk about. Because I think one of the ways that we set up conversations is through, we create space by playing with our children. Just having fun with them, it creates a, a safe space in which conversations can happen. Uh, I mentioned the tulip analogy earlier by Kurt Bruner. He has this quote that I've always liked. He says, when I spend time wrestling my boys in the basement, I've done more to make our values stick than when I read them a Bible verse. Well, what does he mean by that? So a different book, Reggie Joyner and Kristen Ivey in their book, Playing for Keeps, they talk about the importance of time, that there are things that we do over time. That the, most, the last line of this quote, the most significant gifts we give the next generation are what we give them over time. And what they mean by that is there's a compounding effect to time. Anything you do over time increases in importance and value. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, and that's like good habits. Like say I run, go for a run one morning, great, thumbs up. But if I run over time, that running, that habit can become fitness. Meanwhile, bad habits also function the same way. Go for a McDonald's Coke through the drive-thru. Or Diet Coke. Well, we're doing bad habits, so, well, I guess Diet Coke, but I, my bad <laughs> habit is the full deal. <laughs> I do the full meal deal, the, the, the sugary Coke. Anyways, one by itself, no big deal, but if you do it over time, it gets bad, you know? Mm -hmm. So anything you put over time compounds, and then they use that and they make these, um, these mathematical equations. If anyone has a mathematic mind here, just picture it like something slash over time equals whatever. And so, if, for example, they say stories. Stories over time create perspective for kids. Words of wisdom over time give children a sense of direction. Love over time gives children value, a sense of self-worth. And the one that I chose for this particular section is they say fun over time creates connection. 
that that's the end result of having fun with your kids over time. So anytime you have fun with your kids, you're creating connection, whether you're sitting down and doing, you know, I don't know, a tea party with your, with your child or going out in the backyard throwing the football or playing board games or going on family vacations or just going out for ice cream together. Anytime you have fun over time with your child or with your grandchild, you create a sense of connection. And here's the important thing that Bruner kind of illustrates. He says, he says faith and values, they always travel across the bridge of that connection. What's most essential is he says the, we have to master the art of enjoying our kids and allowing them to enjoy yeah. us. That when we simply enjoy one another, that creates the framework in which the, the connection across which faith and, and values cross. And let me just put it simply, the more you play with your kids the more you get on their level, engage in what they're interested in, the more present you are, the more likely it is that you're going to be trusted and there when they have faith questions that they want to ask. That's where the conversations can begin. Yeah. And it's, and it's great, isn't it? Like that time, you can all think of a time right now that just brings a smile to your face that you had with your kids. And it's great. Play and conversation is great. Like, can I give an example? Yeah. So my grandmother picked me up from school every day of the week. Uh, my mom was a teacher. She taught at another school, so my grandmother picked me up. She drove this big Lincoln Grand Marquis banana boat. Like, the, and, and the buttons in the front seat, you know, like there was a million buttons that you could use, and I used to, anyways. And there's like a little target on the hood, and I used to always imagine like I was firing missiles and stuff as she drove me around. But every Monday, every Monday, she took me to Dairy Queen. Now... Probably not the best health-wise over time, right? But that was the tradition every Monday because she thought Mondays are the worst. I'm just going to, you know, take the kids for ice cream. Me and my brother went for ice cream every Monday. Now, when I had questions about who God is and does God love me, you know when I asked him? Riding in the car in that Grand Marquis on the way to, mm -hmm. to Dairy Queen to my granny because she... I, I just trusted her in the relationship we built by doing something simple, ice cream over time. Was she, did she know she was investing in my faith? No, but that little habit. So that's how we build these habits is just repeated over time. It is, and it's good to have the conversations and it's good for play, but how many of you guys get exhausted? I mean, whew, <laughs> trying to play with your kids can be really exhausting, especially depending on the age. Am I right? Right. Yeah. So I want to talk about now about creating a margin for yourself and what that looks like. Because um, sometimes you guys just need to refuel your tank, right? So you need to refuel your tank. But rather than feeling guilty about this, I want you guys to think the opposite. Because what you're doing is you're setting a positive example for your child. You're modeling what self-care looks like. And the, the essence of spiritual leadership is leading a life worth imitating. So when you practice self-care, when you create a personal margin for prayer or Bible reading or times with friends or investing in your marriage, you are setting a model worth imitating. And the truth is, the more you care for yourself, the more energy you have to recharge and to bring into the playtime, into those conversations that we've already talked about. But invite your kids. I ask you to invite your kids into your faith space, but don't push. Let them see you pray or invite to pray with them. Let them see you read the Bible 
or read a Bible story to them and then talk about what that story may mean to you. Discover how your kids experience God. It may be different from yours, so embrace it. Experience different styles with them. Your child may discover um, God through a show me why you tell me activity. It may be through musical worship, reading God's word, prayer, or experience, you know, prayer, you guys. Our kids experience a myriad of feelings that always lead us to saying, would you like to pray about that? Acts of service. Acts of service allow your child to experience the world outside of themselves. And it also sparks conversation. And then I'm going to say, get out. Go for long walks. Be a part of God's creation. Because there are plenty of conversations that you can have around experiencing God when you're experiencing God's creation. This need for self-care is one of the reasons that we have our Sunday morning leaders not serve, I repeat, not serve, from Memorial Day weekend through Labor Day weekend. We want them to go be with their families. We want them to recharge and refuel. Because when they do, you guys, they are bringing all that energy back here to share God's story with your children. And we could not be more grateful. They're ready for a new school year. There's two things you said there I think just are really important, Tracy. One is we all experience guilt when we take time for ourselves. Like, mm -hmm. especially sometimes, I don't know, in, in, if you're, I think in my own life, in the marriage, like sometimes me taking that time comes at the expense of like, I know my wife has to step up and kind of take extra duties or, or you know, but, but it is good to take that time to care for ourselves. And the second thing you said was, um, Spirit, the essence of spiritual leadership is about setting a life worthy of imitation. Because yeah. that's what we're doing is giving imitation. Like we wouldn't want to imitate, imitate a life that has no margin. So why would we give that example to our kids? So um, I like what you said. Um, and the last thing we want to talk about is about those things that kind of help us to take that time to take the pressure off of ourselves. And that's by realizing the gift of community. That when we create space for community, we recognize that it's not all on our shoulders, but really there's a village of support, people around us who are helping us to raise our kids. I mean, everything else we talked about was kind of you know, something we do, faith conversations, um, uh, play. play, personal margin. Those are kind of personal activities, but community is something about you know, how, how do we connect our kids with others who will pour into their hearts. Um, so I mentioned the overtime analogy earlier from Reggie Joyner and Kristen Ivey. There's one I saved for this point. And they say, tribes over time create belonging. That every single one of us needs to know there's some place that we belong. Mm -hmm. That we have people that we feel like are our people. We just fit there. And the only way we get that is by over time helping them connect to a larger tribe than even just our individual family. I, I started off with that, that tulip analogy from Kurt Bruner, which I really like as an analogy, because I do think it's true that children are planted in the, in the soil of a home. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem with that analogy. I'm just going to name it. Is, is, 
is it has a kind of an individual, like each home is its own little pot. And so you end up with this picture of the church as it's just all these pots pushed together trying to catch the same water. And that is not, like, go to the next slide, you can see this picture. Like, that is not what the church is. We are not all individual pots pushed together. Our lives intersect and interconnect. Our soil runs together. So just as a child is planted in the soil of a home, I believe each home is planted in the soil of community. So I think it's so easy sometimes for us to buy into the idea of the church as the watering can, right? That our job is to nourish. And our kids, when they come to Sunday school on Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. are nourished in their classrooms with amazing teachers. And they hear God's story, amazing. Tracy and her volunteers, you guys do an amazing job. And so our children are well watered, yay. And then our youth, when they get to a certain age, they go down to you know, the chapel with Ashleah and they have amazing volunteers and they have mission trips and camps right. and, and they're watered and nourished as well. And then here in the sanctuary, we're nourished with music from Frank and, 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 and Amy and the, and the choir and we're nourished by a message, but we, we're all really well nourished and watered. So you might say, well, Dave, what's the problem with that? I think the problem is, is that we're not sufficiently connected and interconnected. Planted. Planted, right. Yeah, yeah so I want us to shift our mentality to recognize that, church, that our faith isn't nourished solely by a great message or by great music or even by a wonderful children's curriculum. Our faith is nourished by the network of relationships we build with those who are practicing faith with us. That's what nourishes our faith. And I want our church to become a place where we are nourishing the community of faith across the generations. So we're going to move towards being a place where on Sunday morning, all the generations are gathered together. And we're going to move away from being a church where people come in the door, families walk in the door, and the first thing that happens is they're subdivided, each to their separate areas. Wait, they're probably wondering what that looks like. I know, Do you mind if I, I know. <laughs> First of all, parents, there is childcare. That's not going away. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. That's okay. Uh, first, we still have childcare. Um, parents and toddlers and preschools and kindergarten and first grade, we know that you need this hour to recharge. Get that personal margin we were talking about, right? But as the children grow, we want to introduce them to more of what it is to what worship looks like. And so by the second grade, we would like the kids in second grade and up to begin their time in worship with you. We'll dismiss kids uh, midway through right before the message because we have our own message that we will give to them that is age appropriate at their level that they can have conversations about. But this experience keeps them with their friends, And those awesome leaders that we were talking about, your kids need to experience them because let me tell you, our team is spectacular. But our Sunday morning leaders will continue to share God's story, make them laugh, but once a month, we're going to bring them back in here. Um, And it's the first Sunday of the month. First Sunday of the month. Because we would like your children to have communion with us. And then youth, let me just address what that looks like for youth. So middle school, 
Same thing, we're going to have a, a group that you can guys go to midway through the service and, and head out to that so you can hear God's story and have fun connecting with your friends. But once a month, you're going to be back in, not just for communion, but for the whole service. So once a month, middle school, you're with us. Yay! And high school... Every Sunday you're with us. Yeah, but that's awesome. But twi- but we recognize you guys need places to connect with your friends. So twice a month, we're gonna have uh, breakfast down in the cafe from nine to nine thirty, where you can join with your friends and then you know get something to eat and then come worship together either with your friends or sit with your parents. Your choice. And this will change what worship looks like. This is what this is for all of us. Mm-hmm. Worship will change. Because it's not just about having children and youth sit through adult worship. That's what we called it, right? When we were kids, adult worship. It's worship for everybody. It's that living the life worth imitating. They're going to be able to imitate yeah. the parents and worship with you as they see it's, you. It's worship. worship for everybody. And we want, you know, we, so we'll be designing worship that, that, that kids and youth enjoy and that they even lead us sometimes in worship. And even when kids break into different areas, this is the thing I'm excited about. We're all going to study the same Bible story, right? Mm -hmm. So when you go pick up your kids, parents, from Sunday school, this is always my experience. I go pick them up and say, so what did you learn about today? I don't know. (laughs) know, Was it just us? that that's? I mean, you're like, I don't know what I learned. But you're not going to have that experience because when you go pick up your kids, you're going to know that they learned about the same story that you heard about in worship. And you can dialogue and connect and, and, and grow just as you exchange those perspectives together. Now, we're going to stop here, I guess. Uh, there's so much more we want to say, but let me add this. I'm just so passionate about this. I've worked most of my ministry career at St. Luke's and family ministry, children's ministry. And I always thought something was broken that we didn't have kids experiencing worship with the rest of the body. And it didn't matter how great we made our Sunday school look and feel, if they weren't connected to the church, it felt like a side street that only parents and kids went down. And I thought that we're missing something here because Christianity is intergenerational. It's multi-generational. It's meant to be transferred. You know, not just from your own individual, but we're all meant to be part of the tribe together. When Moses spoke these words that Holton read so beautifully earlier, he was speaking to the whole tribe of Israel. Grandparents, parents, children, grandchildren across the generations, they all heard the same words, the same charge. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It was embedded in their corporate memory because they all experienced it together. And I know Miss Tracy does an amazing job. If you work in children's ministry with her, thank you so much for your service. I hear from parents all the time. How amazing this is, you know, that their kids love coming to church. And my kids who are older in Ashley's area, I am so thankful. Ashley and to all the youth volunteers, I'm so thankful. They have a place where they can come and learn and grow. But there's something about when we, even if we all experience it being blessed and growing in God, there's something even better when we experience it together. And that's what we're moving towards. I I skipped over a slide. I'm so sorry about that. Parents, if you want to learn more, come next week, 4 o'clock. We have an open house uh, event uh, next Sunday. And you're going to hear more about this as well as all the Mm -hmm. great things that Tracy and Ashlea have planned for the year ahead. So I hope you'll come. Yeah. Well... I'm going, to st- I'm going to stop you. Can, can, Go right can ahead. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. just kidding. Um, I just want to say, parents, 
you guys are doing a fantastic job. You're doing great. Remember that you are enough and know enough right now. Teachers, we see the work that you do and the impact that you make. In fact, Pastor Ashley had just the other day shared this quote from Ted Lasso. And it says, okay, you guys, it says, teachers are like great albums. Everyone can think of at least one that changed their life. School administrators and support staff, keep doing what you're doing to support kids and teachers so that kids have a passion for learning and teachers have a passion for teaching. And to our church community, I invite you to embrace each other and get to know all of these families. Share your stories, listen to theirs. What a way to model what community looks like for our kids. And to the kids, we see the light of Christ in you. And together, we hope that you guys will be able to see it in yourselves. Amen. Amen.